So now tonight, we are going to continue a series that we started last week called The Struggle is Real. How many of you guys feeling like the struggle is real? It is real. Uh, And Tyler did a great job kicking us off last week by talking about a struggle and an issue that all of us face that can be a really big deal, it's very real, and impacts so many other areas of our life. I mean, it is a very foundational struggle that if we don't get this issue right, can cause so many other issues in different areas of our life. And so we talked about the struggle of identity. And you guys talked about that in your group over the last few minutes. And so we either let the wrong things define us or we let the wrong people define us. And the only way to avoid the struggle is by allowing God to define us, for allowing God to say who we are and to live out that identity as God's sons and God's daughters. Now, you may say, what's the big deal if I find my identity in other things? Like, why is that so harmful? Why is that such a big deal? Because it is so foundational, the results can lead to other issues like what we're going to talk about tonight. I mean, the struggle we're going to talk about tonight, for some of us, can go back to the struggle we talked about in our, when it comes to our identity. Now, I'm going to... You guys may have gotten to this question in your group. I'm going to change it up just a little bit. And I want to ask this question to you. What do you think is the fastest growing struggle of your generation? All right. And when you think about, you may have said, what's the biggest struggle teenagers face or your generation faces or whatever. What do you think is the fastest growing struggle? All right. Now, what if I gave you, what if I gave you four choices? All right. We'll narrow it down. All right, so we're only looking at this screen tonight. So let's look at this one. So what's the fastest growing struggle for teens? You got drug and alcohol abuse. Maybe you think it's depression. Maybe you think it's sexual activity, you know, and that can be a kind of a a broad thing. Or maybe an issue like bullying. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a vote. Show of hands. If you think drug and alcohol abuse is the fastest growing struggle, let me see your hands. All right, a lot of hands going up. All right, if you think depression is it, let me see your hands. All right, a bunch of hands going up. What about sexual activity? (laughs) All right, we may have found a winner. Um, All right, and then what about bullying? If you think that's the the fastest growing struggle. All right, so I think the point of that exercise was you don't really know. Everybody's just got their own guess. There's, There's probably no consensus. Maybe sexual activity was the biggest one. So drum roll, please. The biggest or the fastest growing struggle. Oh, you're really doing it. Okay. The fastest growing struggle for teenagers is depression. Now everybody's going to be like, yeah, I said that. That's what I said. It was going to be depression. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. All right. Which I don't know if that is exciting. Maybe everyone's like, great, we're going to get bummed out over the next few minutes. But we're going to talk about a really big deal. This is a significant issue, a significant struggle, so much so that it is the fastest growing struggle of your generation. Now, it may be a surprise to you, but it probably shouldn't be. I mean, maybe there are some of you in this room that this is it. This is it for you. And maybe you haven't let anybody in on that, but but right now in your mind, you're thinking, that's it. Like, that's my struggle. But chances are we all know somebody that has this struggle. 
we know somebody that has this issue that deals with this to a certain extent. And so regardless of whether or not you agree with that or know somebody, recent studies are showing that depression among teens and young adults is on the rise. And not even just on the rise, but it is exploding. So the number, get this, the number of teens who reported a major depression episode or an MDE in the previous 12 months has increased 37% in the last 10 years. So back in 2005, it was uh, almost 9%, and now it's almost 12%, or as of 2014. Now, just to kind of define what is an MDE or a a, a major depressive episode, it's defined as a period of at least two weeks of low mood that is present in most situations. So symptoms can include low self-esteem, loss of interest in what would be normally enjoyable activities, and problems with sleep, energy, and concentration. So that's the definition they would give for, for an MDE, all right? Now, according to the Department of Health and Human Services, more than 3 million adolescents aged 12 to 17 reported at least one major depressive episode in the past year. 3 million. And more than 2 million reported severe depression that impeded their daily functioning. So to say that this isn't really that big of a deal when 3 million teenagers, 12 to 17, are dealing with that to the extent that they have at least one episode in the past year. Now, ladies, I hate to say this to you, but the stats are worse for you. So rates of depression among girls ages 12 to 17 in 2015 were more than double that of guys. 19.5% of ladies experienced at least one major depressive episode in the past year. And almost 6% of boys did. So it is even significantly higher for you ladies in the room. Now, that's not all. Because depressive, or depression rates have increased so much, so are the rates of things like self-harm and suicide. And there is a connection between the two. So there are a lot of studies that show, and this isn't always the case, and everybody that may, you know, may struggle with self-harm or, or maybe suicidal, but a lot of studies of self-harm show that many people who injure themselves do so to cope with things like anxiety and depression. So what does the face of depression look like? I don't know what you would envision when you would think of somebody that struggles with depression and what they look like. But chances are, I would imagine it's not what you think it is. So the face of depression, I think for us tonight, in a lot of cases, is this face. Now, some of you guys, I had over the last week a chance to, um, to have conversations with this girl, Hallie, who is in our ministry. She's a junior in high school and um, had several conversations. Many of you may know her. You may have seen this face. You may know who she is. You may have spent some time with her. And here is a girl who serves on our first impression team. 
<laughs> All right. Shout out. Who grew up in our church. Her and her family grew up here at Westridge. She's been to Rush for so many years. She even came to Nicaragua with us back in February. She was on that team. And you may never know it on the surface. And you may never know it from seeing a picture like this. But depression is part of Hallie's story. So she says that she started struggling about a year ago. And it would be kind of one of those things that hit her all of a sudden. She would stay in a room feeling alone and feeling a lack of energy. Some of those things, so many of those things that used to make her happy now no longer did. In fact, in a lot of cases, she felt like nothing made her happy anymore. And so after a period of several months of struggling with this and not knowing what exactly is going on, and even this struggle leading to other things like self-harm, she, with her mom and her dad, went to the doctor. And in December of this past year, just a few months ago, was diagnosed with depression. So this is the face, in some cases, or at least for tonight, I don't know if you would picture this as the face of depression. But this is what it can look like, and we don't even know it. Because here's the crazy thing. I think this is even more difficult to talk about when it comes to church. Why is it so difficult to come into this room and to talk about depression? It's hard enough maybe for, if this is your struggle, to be able to share it with your family or to share it out there. But then when you think about bringing that struggle and sharing it in church, it a lot of times can feel even more difficult. Because we throw out things like, well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? We feel like we're Christians and we should know all the answers and we should be happy people that know Jesus and are so excited and our world is just full of rainbows and unicorns. Right? I mean, sometimes we have this kind of misconception about who we should be as followers of Jesus. And, and sometimes when we don't experience that or when we deal with struggles, especially with a struggle like depression, when we don't feel sometimes like the joy of the Lord is our strength and when we don't feel happy, Guilt can set in. We feel embarrassed. We feel ashamed. And even maybe in some cases, like somehow we've let God down. And we ask the question, questions like this, how can I be a Christian and still struggle with depression? Now it was that question that was the struggle that Hallie faced the most. That was the biggest challenge as she asked herself that question that became so difficult for her to answer. I mean, once she got diagnosed just a few months ago, she started feeling overwhelmed with guilt, like she had let God down. She started lacking a lot of self-confidence and she started to hate that part of herself. And even though she has a great small group on Wednesday night, and even though she had some great small groups at at Rush for the last few years, she felt a a hesitancy to want to be able to share that struggle with other people. Because after all, if she didn't love that aspect of herself, then how could anyone else? And so because she kept that to herself and didn't share that with the people who loved her the most, she felt even more lonely. And so someone who looked like she had it all together really didn't. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there are so many 
people in the Bible, so many stories of men and women in the Bible, people that we would consider heroes of our faith that struggled with things like anxiety and fear and even depression. When you think about a guy like Elijah in the Old Testament, a man of God, a prophet who had literally just seen God do this incredible miracle and brought fire down from heaven and used Elijah to do this amazing thing. And then the very next chapter, Elijah is running because people are trying to kill him and he finds himself in a, depra- in a, in a cave alone and depressed. How could a guy like Peter not struggle with a lot of depression when he denies his Savior three times and then feels like he's never going to see Jesus again because he's going, he's going to the cross the next day and not fully understanding the story and how it's going to play out over the next few days? Even David, who is described as a man after God's own heart, was broken and hurting. And you read some of the Psalms that he says and how depressed it looks like he is. And when he says this in Psalm 31, 9, maybe you can relate to this. He says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I've heard the many rumors about me and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. I wonder how many of you have felt some of those same things. How many of you have experienced those moments of grief? Or you felt like you've lacked strength to go on through the day? Or you felt rejected? And how many of those things have you communicated back to God almost in desperation? Like, God, this is how I'm feeling. Do you even know about this? See, Hallie felt some of those same things and she cried out to God with some of those exact same feelings. And in a lot of cases, she felt like the people that knew her would run away if they knew the truth. Now, for those of you guys that maybe are struggling with that or you know someone that, that does, how do, we, how do we get to this point? How does depression even happen? What are some of those things that may cause us to get to a place like this? There's a couple things I want to mention to you. Here, the first thing is, is stress and pressure. So maybe that's the, the first trigger or the first thing that happens that gets us to this point. I mean, you guys, your generation is under an insane amount of stress. You guys experience so many pressures on a daily basis. It's insane. You guys feel the pressure to be in a relationship. You feel the pressure to fit in in so many different ways. You feel the pressure from mom and dad, from teachers, from you're gonna, never going to amount to anything if you don't do well on this test or you know, your school, your academics, your athletics. Maybe you've experienced moments of loss or pain. And there are so many studies that the more stress and pressure that adds on to our life, 
the more susceptible we are to fall into a place where we get more anxious and even leads to depression. There are studies that show that teenagers who, um, that they're at an increased risk of depression when they're faced with conditions such as single parent homes, which so many of you guys are in. Community violence, sexual violence, even economic hardships. And all of that stuff can trigger anxiety or even depression. Another thing, and this might seem a little bit odd, but this plays a role. And when I say this, I mean specifically social media. All right, as, as now we're more into like, you know, the norm of having social media around and it's been in our lives for a few years now. Now all of a sudden we're starting to see, man, is this good or bad? And what are the long-term effects of this? And as many benefits as there are to this, there are a lot of negative things as well. I mean, everything, literally everything you say or do is seen by the world. And while that can be a really great thing to build your brand or, you know, to make a name for yourself and to be able to say how you feel and to have all these followers that care about what you say or what pictures you post or whatever, it also can add a whole lot of pressure to your life. I mean, I know we talked about identity last week, but so many of us, we tie our identity to who we are on social media. We control so much of what is put out there because we feel like, well, that's going to allow people into my life to, to the extent that I want them to see that. But we tie our identity and who we are and our self-worth and so much of that to how many likes we get or how many followers we've got. And we post things based on, well, what's the reaction going to be? Am I going to be able to, to get people to like this or to get people to approve of this? Or are they going to carry that beyond? And is this going to help you know, create a better... Uh, sphere of influence for me. And so all of a sudden we start putting stuff out there with that in mind for that purpose and intent. And when that doesn't come back to the extent or level that we want to, then all of a sudden we, st- we feel let down. Then you think about if someone really wanted to ruin you, all right, maybe it was a relationship that went south or maybe, you know, you, you and your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, man, they, they want to do something to you. I mean, it's, you almost, it's almost too easy to want to ruin somebody and be able to ruin somebody through social media. Man, I can put something out there that just smears them and completely just crushes them. I read a stat last week that just confirmed for Angie and I with our current fifth grade daughter who desperately wants a phone and wants to be on Instagram. And we're like, no, no, no. And then I read this stat last week that said that the amount of fifth grade girls who are struggling with depression and anxiety and experiencing bullying because of, the, of their social media accounts. And I'm like, you're insane if you think I'm giving you a phone right now. I mean, you think about cyberbullying and it is literally ruining teenagers' lives. And so it's, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, let's not ever be on social media. I'm just saying that's the reality, that there is a, a dangerous side to that that we've got to be aware of and be careful of. And then the third thing is, maybe it's a, a chemical or a medical issue. Depression doesn't always have to be related to an event or some painful circumstance or moment in your life. Sometimes it may be a chemical imbalance or the body may not be functioning properly for some reason. And look, I'm, I'm not the, the kind that thinks that 
you know, for every little thing, we need to give, you know, people drugs and, and medicine and stuff like that. But the truth is, sometimes medicine can help correct that for people when it comes to some kind of an imbalance or, or a body uh, issue. Now, for when it comes to a chemical or medical issue, this is what happened for Hallie. Depression came completely out of the blue. Her struggles weren't triggered by a circumstance. Her parents didn't get a divorce. There wasn't some bullying situation or some moment, you know, issue that happened that kind of set her on a downward spiral. I mean, as she went to the doctor, she discovered that chemically there just was something that wasn't right. And so she has been able to find some medicine to help correct that. But those are some of the things that may be the reason why we get into, we find ourselves in a state of depression or anxiety. Now, that being said, I want to be able to close out tonight with some hope. All right, I don't want us walking away feeling like, man, this is a heavy night and this Todd just bummed us out for the last 30 minutes. All right, I, I want to even in the, and maybe you find yourself in that moment. Maybe, maybe self-harm is, is a struggle of yours. And maybe there's some people that know about it and maybe you've kept it tucked away where no one really knows about that. Maybe you've had suicidal thoughts. Maybe you struggle with some of those things. Maybe you find yourself in a, in, in a severe case of anxiety, or maybe you've even been diagnosed as depressed, or you feel like maybe that may be where you're at. I want you to be encouraged. I want to provide some hope and some encouragement to you tonight. And so I think there's, there are three things that, that I think we need to know. The first that I think is so simple, but it is so important. I want you to know you're loved by God. For every single one, whether you find yourself in this place where this is your struggle or whether your struggle is something else. It is so critical for all of us to constantly be reminded that we are loved by God. That no matter what the struggle is that we face, that it doesn't overwhelm us to the point that God, it, it ceases God's love for us. You and I are not accidents. We're not mistakes because of our struggles. In fact, your depression or whatever struggle it is that you face does not define you. But as we talked about last week, God's love defines you. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that there's not death or life or worries or struggles or fears or anything, as he says at the end, in all creation that can ever separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as simple as it may seem, it was this first thing, just the simple fact that she is loved by God that was a turning point for Hallie. She began to take hope in the fact that she's made in God's image. That he sees everything about her struggles, he knows every single thing about her, and even the ones that she tries to hide from him. And he loves her the same. And even in those moments where she lacked self-confidence and those moments where she felt like she didn't even love herself, she could take comfort in the fact that God created her and God loved her. The second thing that I think is really important for us to know tonight is you are not alone. If this is your struggle, you are not alone. We live in a fallen world and as, as great as it would be to, 
to kind of be rid of this. The truth is that none of us are immune to this. And while the struggle may be different for some of us, the struggle is real for all of us. None of us get a free pass and there are gonna be struggles that we face and we're not alone in that. And even if you have felt isolated and you have felt alone and and maybe you felt like no one would understand or no one would really love you or no one would accept you, to know that you are not alone in your struggle. Here's what Isaiah 43, one through three says. And this is God talking. He says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And I love how it ends here, your Savior. Not only does God love us and God care about us, that God created us, But God, if we belong to him, God is with us and for us. And even in the midst of the dark days of our deepest struggle, God walks through those struggles and never leaves us or forsakes us. And I don't know what it is about this issue in particular that makes us feel so isolated and so alone and so rejected and as if we have nowhere to turn or no one to turn to that you need to know that you're not alone. Not only is God with you if you belong to him, but there are people in your life that love you and care about you and that want to help guide you. And my encouragement to you tonight, if you find yourself in a place like this, is that you just tell someone that maybe one of the, the biggest lies that the enemy would want you to, to buy into is that no one will accept you, no one will love you, that if you tell someone, they will just turn and run from you. What I would encourage you, if you're gonna tell someone specifically, I would encourage you tonight to tell your small group leader. The people that are here that love you the most and may, may know, in a lot of cases, know you the most. And that they love you and that they are here for you and that they are here to guide you through whatever struggle it is that you may be facing. That you don't hold on to it and live in isolation, that we're here, here to help you. Here's the last thing. Hope and healing is found in Jesus, not in the things of this world. Here's what I think happens when we compound the struggle. We, we deal with this anxiety and this fear and, and depression and things like that. And so what do we do? We start running to those things in this world that we feel like, well, maybe if I ran to this, that it would satisfy me. Maybe if I ran to this relationship, it would pull me out of this dark hole that I'm in. Maybe if I turned to this, or maybe if I ran to that, or maybe, you know, and, and so what we start doing is we start filling our lives with the things of this world, looking for it to do what it was never intended to do. See, our hope and our victory and our healing can only be found in the one who made you. And that's in Jesus. Here's what John 16, says. Jesus, right before he's going to the cross, says this. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, look, I have overcome the world and no matter what struggle it is that you may be facing, I am bigger than it. And me overcoming it means that I will be with you through that struggle. And there may be moments, it may mean that God frees us completely from that and takes that struggle away from us. But it may not always. What it may mean is we experience the power and the presence of Jesus on a daily basis where in the midst of our dark days, we understand that God is lifting us and carrying us through those. That God is strengthening us and empowering us to live through those moments that we never would have been able to alone. And the entire message of the resurrection that we just celebrated this past weekend is that Jesus has come to give us life. Jesus has come to give us victory. Jesus has come to empower us. No matter how powerful that struggle may seem like it is that we may, even in the midst of that struggle, like David says at the end, when Psalm 31, and he's desperate, and he's feeling depressed, and he's anxious, and everybody's turning and run from him, and he's feeling isolated and alone. And in verse 14, he says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. That we would turn whatever struggle it is, and we would surrender our struggle over to Jesus and say, God, I'm looking for you to do what I can't do and what nothing else can do. God, I need your hope. God, I need your healing. I need you to be with me. So for Hallie, there were times where over the last year she felt like she had given her struggle to God, but then had realized that she really hadn't. That she had just kind of held on to it still feeling like God was judging her or maybe even angry at God or whatever. And so her turning point came when she was in Nicaragua back in February. And it was over the course of that week that she was able to fully surrender this struggle of depression over to the Lord. And it would be really cool as we close out and we could tie a nice little bow around Hallie's story and say, and God took this struggle away and she's never dealt with this issue since February, but that would not be the truth. God has not taken that struggle away from her. She said it's still a daily struggle. But what's changed is that God has changed her focus and God has brought her to a place where she truly finds her hope and joy in Jesus and is able to rest in his love for her and in his plan for her life. Maybe tonight you find yourself in a place similar to the place that Hallie has been in or maybe is even in tonight. And maybe you've kept it to yourself and maybe you haven't wanted to share that with anyone else. And our hope tonight is that you would find the hope that Jesus offers that you would know that you're not alone, that you would know that you're loved by God. And so I think what better person to be able to communicate that at the end and just close us out in prayer than would be for Hallie to come up and do that. So Hallie, come on up. Hey guys, 